Welcome in. Welcome back to Revolutionary Roulette. I'm Rob Zielinski. You can find me on Twitter at Rob Zielinski. That's Z-I-E-L-I-N-S-K-I. Follow us on Instagram at Revolutionary Roulette or email the show at revolutionaryroulette at gmail.com. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Joshua Catlow. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you can find me at Instagram at Joshua Patrick. Um, on Twitter, talking sports at Joshua Catlow. And you can also find me at your mom's house. <laughs> so uh, this is going to be <laughs> uh, part three of chapter six, the intimately oppressed. Now, I um, last time we were we hit the books, um, we're hitting the book this time again. But um, I said I, we were going to finish the chapter. That's not going to happen. Uh, I got through about six pages of the book and uh close to like four freaking thousand words written so um that's not gonna happen so today's gonna be part three hopefully in a couple weeks hopefully before christmas um so people have something to listen to over christmas break let's uh, talk we'll, about 2023 y'all <laughs> <laughs> um we'll have something ready so everyone can listen over christmas break um so i said uh this episode in particular was going to be Quote heavy, uh, so let's get to it. From Zinn, quote, Between the American Revolution and the Civil War, so many elements of American society were changing. The growth of population, the movement westward, the development of the factory system, expansion of political rights for white men, educational growth to match the new economic needs, that changes were bound to take place in the situation of women. And because women worked all those jobs in the pre-industrial America we mentioned last episode, um, as well as tannery managers, tavern keepers, newspaper publishers, and plenty more important jobs. This practical need for women to work, uh, to be in the workforce in a frontier society actually helped to manufacture not enough, but some measure of equality. Yeah, this... Um... This was a, a a complex time for women, to say the least. Um, it, it was it was one of them things where um, it was almost damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um, you had responsibilities at the house. Um, obviously, that's the way women were first looked upon in this country to be homemakers, and then they were also getting ready to start being pulled from the house and the home and expected to go carry their weight in different labor situations as we'll get to uh, in a few pages. But um, a complex situation for the female gender to say the least. That's right. So of course, as more women were getting out of the home, as you mentioned, and into the workforce, this scared the shit out of men whom had dominated the world of labor. So these men, out of fear, came up with propaganda that somehow worked on a, a lot of women, unfortunately. That even though there was this sort of loosening of the family with women being out in the world earning money, that there was still this idea of the, quote-unquote, the women's place, as in a, a woman's place in the world, um, which you know it was that they ought to be submissive to men and be in the kitchen when they're not out working. And that was taught in the church, in the school, um, 
on the streets, in the alleys, wherever it was taught everywhere. And that was your place as a, as a female in this society was to be essentially the spine of the family and the backbone of the family, but get no, um, justification, no recognition, uh, recognition or, um, not that that's what women do things for, but it's always nice to be recognized as being a strong functioning member of society, let alone being the backbone of your own family. Right. And just and, being uh, appreciated. Exactly. Yeah. And that goes a long way, man. I, I work a job that I fucking hate. And everybody that's watching can agree with this shit. And it's like, <laughs> you. I've gotten one compliment in five years. Damn. And, and it was fucking amazing. And I told him that. And he is as soon as he said what he said, I was like, thank you for even saying something like that because I've been here five years and that's the closest to go. It goes a long way, man. Uh, I'm veering a little bit too far off topic, but um, all this well, stuff. That's, that's good. We just, you just, you're just, you're connecting with, you know, w- w- with women back, you know, back in the day and, and today, you know, so you're just showing your relationship. Exactly. And, uh, and this is well before Rosie the Riveter and things like that, which would have been a perfect timing for their, propaganda to come and kind of strike back against the male um fist that they tried to throw down but yep. um that came later so uh, and again the inter- uh, indoctrination of women began early and often like you mentioned um in the church um in school um within their own families um so uh we'll build on that from a a, a zin quote bart uh barbara welter has shown how powerful was the cult of true womanhood in the years after 1820. The woman was expected to be pious. A man writing the ladies' repository, quote, religion is exactly what the woman needs, for it gives her that dignity that best suits her dependence. Mrs. John Sanford, in her book, Woman, in her social and domestic character said, quote, religion is just what the woman needs, Without it, she is ever restless or unhappy. The The best part of that was um, <laughs> the man knowing exactly what a woman needs. Um, like he would even fucking know. And to top it off, his answer was um, religion. Yeah, you know, um, the funniest thing about this is their views at this time, uh, their being males, um, viewed that. It was normal. And I don't want to say normal, but expected almost for the man to stray outside of the uh, the marriage. But women were to be um, of sexual purity high and beyond. So um, talk about trying to get your ultimate fucking hall pass. Uh, <laughs> yeah, baby, I was walking down this dusty ass road and uh, <laughs> I stepped on this bitch's long ass skirt. And it just so happens I tripped, fell, and she landed on my dick. Right in uh, <laughs> But, yeah, so it's, it's obviously facetious. But what I'm trying to say is the double standards have always been there and are still there. But they were even more outlandish and using the church as the backbone of their arguments. 
Right. To say, want. To say religion As they still fall upon today. Yeah. So to you know to say that um, religion gives a woman dignity is like give me a fucking break. Like I would argue that in most cases, because let's be real here. In this case, when they say religion, they don't mean like Buddhism or anything like that. They mean some version of patriarchal puritanical Christianity where the woman is inferior to man and is mm -hmm. being told uh, from the beginning to have no pride, uh, no self-respect, only whatever the man provides. And then, um, you know, here's the, uh, the, the crux of the, uh, the dignity and dependence bullshit quote, sexual purity was to be the special virtue of a woman. It was assumed that men as a matter of biological nature would sin, but women must not surrender. As one male author said, quote, if you do, you will be left in the silent sadness to bewail your credulity, imbecility, duplicity, and premature prostitution. So the, the guy says it right there, the duplicity, like, oh, no, it's, you know, it's really a one-way street because fellas have such fragile egos that the woman must remain pure and loyal, whatever that means as defined by male Christian views this sentence reminds me of dodgeball uh your credulity your imbecility your duplicity um you got laser blazer tape all types of hazers <laughs> all types of istities in this motherfucker that they expect you to go by it's like um once again it's it, it's it's clown behavior Mm -hmm. Um, obviously, um, when you're in a relationship, things were different back in the day. And we're talking long back in the day, 300 plus years ago, uh, 400 plus years ago, excuse me. But, um, still, uh, the standards are being set, um, for women to accept instead of, process react and refine so um by their male counter specs their counterparts instead of having respect they've had um turmoil and injustice from day one yep so um we'll get a little bit more specific sir uh so in 1851 activist amelia bloomer suggested that women start wearing a sort of skirt and pants in her feminist publication as a way to give a big middle finger to the hindrance of the traditional style of dressing. Of course, she was attacked uh, for this in other women's literature. Quote, one story has a girl admiring the quote unquote bloomer costume, but her professor admonishes her that they are only one of the many manifestations of the wild spirit of socialism and agrarian radicalism, which is at present so rife in our land. So congrats to Amelia, first of all, for successfully inventing the bloomer or, or bloomers. So women, now when anybody says you're wearing bloomers, you could tell them the backstory and tell them, um, that it's actually a, a symbol of you can go fuck yourself. Yeah. Um, so going back to the line um, in the story regarding the wild spirit of socialism, keep in mind that um, 
even when the Puritans first came over, uh, they were already this deeply bourgeois organization as capitalism originated in 16th century England. So socialism has always been the American boogeyman, just as it is now. We have one little thing go vaguely left and conservatives cry socialism. Um, and it's like, first of all, bitch, it's more like corporate Democrat bullshit that you just, you don't agree with. Not everything is that, that you don't agree with is socialism. Um, also, um, you fucking like social programs, your family, especially older folks who have contributed to and benef benefited from social security. Um, and you know, how's that, um, you know, that fire department in your neighborhood, uh, pretty cool privatized business there, right? No, because it's a fucking social program. That's what socialism looks like. I don't know. I just went off on that, <laughs> on that rant, but it's just like, you know, uh, when you talk about social programs, it's, it's actually good for, for, for people. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but I can just keep, keep on going with the book. No, I, uh, I can't get this lyric out of my head since we're talking about the church and, and women. And it's like, uh, people will know who it's from immediately, but it's like, please, Lord, this boy needs Jesus. Help this child. Help him destroy these demons. Oh, <laughs> me a brand new car and a prostitute while my wife's sick in the hospital. It's like, <laughs> I can't get that Eminem shit out of my head because this is essentially what every fucking class act back in their day was looking for when it came to uh their their better halves i don't know it just uh, stuck it's weird what gets stuck in my head while reading <laughs> this book but uh yeah Eminem just so happened to pop in on this one no i hear you so some of the shit is pretty gross to hear but it it may be important to give things some perspective as to just how far things have come for women and yet there's still obviously a, a, a long ways to go. So 83 uh, cents. they've come yeah. 83. So, so um, uh, from a book called Greenwood Leaves in 1850, written by a woman, quote, the feminine genius is ever timid, doubtful, and clingingly dependent, a perpetual childhood. And What's the like, name of the book? Um, Greenwood leaves. So this, you know, for a woman to say this back then, you know, the, the, uh, indoctrination <clears throat> was working and it's just like, are you kidding me? Like, a uh, a, a perpetual child, like what the hell? Like right. adults don't want ch a child as a partner. Um, we don't want to deal with more children. Adults want to spend the rest of their life with another adult. Correct. So um, another excerpt from 1830, uh, work entitled, entitled The Young Lady's Book, quote, in whatever situation of life a woman is placed from her cradle to her grave, a spirit of obedience and submission, pliability of temper and hum humility of mind are required from her. So if you've ever wondered why things were so bad for women throughout history and why things still are where they need to be when it comes to men giving the proper respect and understanding to women. Yeah. Here's part of the answer, bullshit writings. And again, indoctrination like this. 
and there's uh, uh, popular male figures who are intellectually dishonest. People like Jordan Peterson uh, still spewing this kind of rhetoric and getting millions of views on YouTube. And it's just it's all just so disappointing. The, the first book should be renamed Gringo, Please. <laughs> uh, but just the thought. So we're talking about the 1820s and 1830s here. And women are now being leaned on to be patriotic, to be wife, to be mother, to be family nurse, to be head chef, the maid, seamstress. But what they shouldn't be doing is a book learning. So most people <laughs> most people believe that women shouldn't read too much or for sure shouldn't be reading specific books. Um, they just they shouldn't even be available to them. So a, a lot of women started writing their own works, whether they were sermons, poems, essays, no, uh, novels or manuals on uh, the woman's role when it comes to family and children. In a, in a way, this was really empowering, empowering for women. However, it was also tragic in that most of it had to do with these indoctrinated thoughts of the women's role, like we just dis discussed earlier. Um, so from Zinn, uh, as Zinn puts it, quote, perhaps it made acceptance of the new economy easier to be able to see it only as part of life with the home as a haven. In 1819, one pious wife wrote, quote, the air of the world is poisonous. You must carry an antidote with you or the infection will prove fatal, unquote. All this was not, as Cott points out, to challenge the world of commerce, industry, competition, capitalism, but to make it more palatable. Uh, um, it's uh... a... <laughs> So just real quick, it, he goes on to call it a, a cult of domesticity, um, which I thought was a good way to, to sum all of that up, a cult of domesticity. Um, what I kind of think of it as, mm -hmm. um, over this Thanksgiving break, um, there was a three-part special on the Beatles released on uh, Disney+. Plus. And uh, what I think of this as when the women were picking up their pen and paper and writing narratives, even against themselves in a lot of situations, uh, just as fallback racks for their men, so to speak. It was kind of like when Ringo Starr, the drummer, wrote a song and then he handed it to like Paul McCartney or uh, John Lennon. And they were like, oh, oh. <laughs> Ringo, Ringo wrote a song. That's cute. <laughs> That's we'll so just, cute. We'll just go ahead and put it right here on the fridge. <laughs> like they've never seen the motherfucker, but uh, they had like, no. Come on, this is good stuff. He's like, here comes the sun. Do 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 do. You know. Can I, out, can I get out behind these drum sets because I got blisters on me fingers? <laughs> oh, another quick fact is that in this. Uh, colonial American cult, um, arranged mar marriages weren't frowned upon and may have been encouraged because the family unit was so important. And women actually weren't in favor of an arranged marriage. Um, they actually wrote some things uh, like this, quote, 
The die is about to be cast, which will probably determine the future happiness or misery of my life. I have always anticipated the event with a degree of uh, solemnity almost equal to that, which will terminate my present existence. Yeah, it's um, like um, I, too, like to live dangerously, um, <laughs> which will almost determine my life. Uh, is it going to be shitty? Uh, I'm going to end up with this tubby bitch, ain't I? Oh. I go. <laughs> so, so, yeah, uh, you know, uh, also real quick, uh, arranged marriages weren't outlawed in the U.S. until 1950. So that's that's good. Yeah, I. Uh, it's 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 symbolic of the 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 family. Uh, for lack of a better word, we'll go with uh, it's symbolic of the brainwashing and the institutional policies set in place that the women were supposed to do as told. Um, mm -hmm. Even obviously before adulthood and even during adulthood, but for an arranged marriage. For someone that's probably anywhere from 13 to 17 years old in these situations, um, to be set up on an arranged marriage, it's just like, you got to be wondering to yourself, what the fuck is going on? But that's just the way we think today. This was such a normal transaction. Um, and I hate to use the word transaction like that, but that's kind right, of but what, that's it, what was. it was. Yeah. And, uh, but it, it's, it's a shame that uh, uh, we need to go marry wealth so that we can get ourselves out of the dust bowl or whatever the fuck was going on. So it's just a, it's a it's a type brainwashing from propaganda that was instituted in the 1820s that carried on for over 130 years. Right. I mean, you know, um, I would have to do my uh, do a little homework myself and see like. How recent was it that um, royalty, like a, a prince or a princess, were married together um, in Europe just to try to consolidate power? It can't be too long ago because I right. get an email from a prince every fucking day talking about, I have this for you, buddy. All you need to do is wire me your <laughs> banking information and you can have my princess daughter. So. Uh, and the, the best is the last time you did it, that person actually became in debt. Yeah. So, so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> however, uh, this cult of uh, domesticity couldn't conceal the concrete proof that women were thought to be inferior to men. The evidence was that they made a quarter to one half of what men got paid for the same damn job. Sounds real familiar. Uh, women weren't allowed uh, to go to college or ministry. They weren't allowed to be doctors or lawyers, and they couldn't own property. And of course, they couldn't vote. But what happened was uh, exactly what had been happening since the dawn of the Industrial Revolution. New technological advances led to certain working conditions for women, um, which led to conflicts regarding class. In New England, 1789, Samuel Slater invented industrial spinning machinery. Uh, so now young girls were in demand for labor 
um, to be literal spinsters um, to work these power loom machines in factories. And uh, that's where the <laughs> the term spinster actually comes from. Um, but it's it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, uh, if I were to give you the nickname Tiny, um, mm -hmm. because, you know, obviously there, the demand was for younger women to be able to use, uh, operate these uh, huge sewing machines, these looms, and um, be called spinsters. And now, obviously, um, that's in uh, reference to a woman you know, an older woman who just, who isn't married. Right. Uh, so uh, you pack all these young women under one roof and you know, they were working in shitty work environments. Um, and of course it was for slave wages. The daily average earnings in these factories was around 37 cents with most taking home uh, 25 cents a day after working 12 to 16 hour days which is just obviously such bullshit and that, but that's how you create class struggle that turns into class conflict and um, hopefully then class consciousness, which we preach here all the time. Um, so uh, this set the table for this quote in Pawtucket, Rhode Island in 1824 came the first known strike of women factory workers, 202 women joined men in protesting a wage cut and longer hours, but they met separately. Four years later, women in Dover, New Hampshire, struck alone. And in Lowell, Massachusetts in 1834, when a young woman was fired from her job, other girls left their looms, one of them then climbing to town pump and making, according to a newspaper report, quote, a flaming Mary Wollstonecraft speech on the rights of women and the inequalities of the moneyed aristocracy, which produced a powerful effect on her auditors, and they determined to have their own way if they died for it. Um, if they died for it. Everybody, including myself sometimes, needs to understand that people fucking died so that a lot of us can have weekends off, so we can have holidays off, so we can work 40 hour weeks um, with lunch breaks um, and just, you know, uh, regular breaks throughout the day amongst other things. Um, I've mentioned it before, but please look up the uh, May 4th, 1866 Haymarket Affair in Chicago. People literally died fighting so laborers would only have to work eight-hour workdays. Um, there's a couple things I wanted to touch on. Uh, you were talking earlier about women not having the right to vote and tis the season. Um, let's be honest, if unless you're voting in a local election at the very bottom of levels to try and make change, it's the adult equivalent of writing a letter to Santa Claus. Um, it doesn't do any good. It, I, 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 it sucks to say that, but we're watching it happen right before our eyes. I mean, everybody, everybody. Um, Donald Trump still received more votes than anybody has ever in the history of the United States, except Joe Biden. Um, so a lot of people were, were strictly voting for the lesser of two evils. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, um, for women to not have the right to vote, even if they did, 
nothing would have came from it anyways. And that's not a knock on women. That's a knock on bureaucracy and um, bullshit that was put in place. Um, Secondly, um, we always say the term as men have the balls to do something. You know what I mean? Well, shout out to these women in 1830 in the two different situations. Uh, The ones that walked out of uh, Pawtucket, Rhode Island to have the labias to stand up to these fucking owners and just like, fuck you. You could spin this loom yourself. Right. I'm going to go get a Coke and tell you to fuck off every time you come near me. (laughs) I really don't like you. And 25 cents a day ain't doing shit. So, um, and then for that to happen in different areas, we've been talking about having something like this happen. Um, and this being the perfect time to have something like this happen, knowing damn well, it's never going to happen. And, uh, a beautiful assembled cast of women had the nerve to stand up to their counterparts. And it's, uh, I wish we had the courage they had, uh, even back in 1824 and 1834 respectively. That's right. That's that, you know, these are prime examples. This is exactly what we're talking about when we uh, say words um, like solidarity. Um, This is true solidarity, actually sticking up for somebody um, to the detriment of yourself. Possibly you could possibly get fired as well, but it's it's um, not easy, man. Right. If you just do it collectively, there's more of us than, than there are um, uh, of you, of, of, of them, of the, of the elites. So, Health insurance, money, housing, all that shit is on the line when you do something against power. But um, you got to take the power back at some point. And it's a daunting task and an uphill task. And honestly, without being without trying to be a pessimist, a task that um, I could see us ending world hunger before I could see us ending capitalism. And. neither of which will ever happen because there's corporate greed. Right. And that's that's not a, a statement to say that people aren't out there trying because there's tons of people that put in the work to try and make people have the benefits of a couple meals daily. But what is also in place is people that let money talk and bullshit walk and will never do anything without the backlash of having something put in their pocket. Um, if that makes sense. No, that's um, right. Yeah. Always pushed forward by the mighty dollar instead of by, uh, righteousness in and of itself. Right. So, so now we have some, uh, first and secondhand accounts about working in uh, a factory system from a woman who was an actual uh, woman reformer activist at the time Uh, from Catherine Beecher quote, let me now present the facts I learned by observation or inquiry on the spot. I was there in midwinter and every morning I was awakened at five by the bells calling to labor The time allowed for dressing and breakfast was so short, as many told me, that both were performed hurriedly, 
And then the work at the mill was begun by lamplight and yeah, prosecuted <laughs> and prosecuted without remission till 12 and chiefly in a standing position. Then half an hour only allowed for dinner from which the time for going and returning was deducted. Then back to the mills to work till seven o'clock. It must be remembered that all the hours of labor are spent in rooms where oil lamps together with from 80 to uh, 40 to 80 persons are exhausting the healthful principle of the air and where the air is loaded with particles of cotton thrown from thousands of cards, spindles, and looms. Uh, <laughs> so can you imagine the air fluctuating through these facilities? No. It's, um, take away the tragic nature for, for a moment, if you will. And it's going to be uh, not as drastic, but similar to the cloud of dust and rubble we saw um, 20 years ago when 9-11 happened. And that big cloud of dust came through. Not to that degree, but with cotton being spun and loomed throughout these buildings with 80 people at a time using the machinery, it was probably whiteout conditions in there right. or virtually and with the dust. God, it's I know. I know. So and of course, this greatly differs from the lives of the upper class women um, whose only job was to be the wife of senators and lawyers, um, sometimes both, um, and show up uh, to their social clubs like the Dorcas Society. So basically, if you weren't an upper class lady, you were forced into the bonds of uh, what American his historian Nancy called the women's sphere in the home or forced to work at a factory job in awful working conditions for slave wages. The silver lining, though, um, is this from Zinn. Quote, these conditions created a common consciousness of their situation and forged bonds of solidarity among them. So lower and uh, middle class women were prohibited from going to college. Um, one of the few non-factory jobs they were eligible for was being a primary school teacher. And um, they basically cornered the proverbial market on that vocation. And because women were in this educational environment uh, for children, they read more and educated themselves more and made more connections amongst themselves. Uh, between 1780 and 1840, literacy uh, between women doubled. Uh, this led to more and more women writing for newspapers, magazines, and eventually starting their own publications. Uh, from Zinn, quote, Women became health reformers. They formed movements against double standards in sexual behavior and the victimization of prostitutes. They joined in religious organizations. Some of the most powerful of them joined the anti-slavery movement. So by the time a clear feminist movement emerged in the 1840s, women had become practiced organizers, agitators, speakers, unquote. And, and it goes without saying, um, but that kind of um, experience in organizing is, is key. It's huge. And um, 
they did take the power back in um, regards to starting to publish their own literature and spread word and knowledge about women and the power of gaining knowledge and what that could bring to the table. It was almost as if, uh, um, once again, I'm having another flashback to, um, I believe it was Happy Gilmore. Uh, somebody learned how to read. <laughs> so it's like uh, these women became teachers, educated, and of course the aristocratic white men wanted them to teach their children to be as highly educated as possible, but were so naive to the fact that the women were gaining knowledge at the same time and able to um, I'm drawing a blank, but able to put things together in a um, a fashion um, like a, a stealth-like fashion. I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm using horrible words here, but um, it, it it was something that um, eventually men started to fear that the the women were getting too intelligent for their bloomers, if you will. Um, <laughs> I will. Um, so we'll wrap up the episode with this. Um, when I say things like, um, let's general strike, um, like I do at, at, at the end of, of most episodes, um, I don't mean, um, let's have people pick a day on social media and just not go to work one day. Right. That's like, you know, like a, a senior in high school playing uh, hooky or, or something like that. That's that's fucking stupid. Um, and and it, that's more like a uh, an individual level um, where it's just it's really only going to hurt you um, in the end. If if you even do it the right way, you know, there there was like, a, you know, a general strike that uh, people were calling for and um People are using their, you know, their paid time off to take that day off. It's like, well, that's not, you're not doing anything in solidarity um, with other people. General strikes take time to organize. Okay. So we would need to organize mutual aid on a national scale. Uh, people who do have a little bit of money uh, will have to like, they'll have to pull it together Um it, this is corny as fuck, but it's like they have to pull it together because all we have at this point is each other. We now know after uh, all the things that happened during the pandemic that, that the government isn't coming to help you. Okay. Um, like they, they threw uh, the, their, their citizens, their constituents like crumbs, right. With, uh, with the stimulus checks, right. They, they didn't even call it like, um, you know, universal banking income um, or like uh, relate relief bill. I mean, it's right in the name uh, stimulus check. Like this is to stimulate our precious economy. So here's this money. Now make sure you get the fuck out there and spend it. Um, make that money move. Um, so it, it's I mean, just go ahead. The fucked up thing about it is this is the inverse. This is the Trump. Kamala and Joe version of throwing paper towels into a crowd of people that are 
fucking desperately in need of help. Right. That's what this shit was. They threw three thousand dollars at the faces of us, thinking that that's going to help. That's going to solve everything. Yeah. Most motherfuckers were three thousand in debt to the landlord alone or car right. payments alone. That ain't put a dent in anything that needed to be taken care of. And the really fucked up thing about it is that's our fucking tax money anyway. That's the shit we give you every fucking April that you used to give back to us. So every, every paycheck. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, you're still making money and getting ROI even after giving us all $3,000. You're still getting return on your investment. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll just we'll, we'll end it there because we went a little bit long. Maybe we'll have like a uh, an off the rails episode because we've said all this stuff in previous episodes before. It's, you know, we're, we're uh, you know, kind of relitigating it because it's, it is that they're just doing the same shit um, and we're letting them. Um, so let me say at the risk of uh, sounding eloquent, let's organize and become ungovernable that would be amazing (laughs) good night good night